I'm calling, you know, James Gomez football show. And we're going to have, we have two podcasts every single week. Uh, Tuesday, we'll have a podcast come out. And Friday, we'll have a podcast come out. That's strictly football. On Tuesdays, we're going to be reacting to the weekend slate, kind of talking about what we saw, doing our power rankings, all that fun stuff. On Fridays, live on Thursday on Twitch, we're going to be doing a preview of the week slate. So we're going to be giving out our picks. Uh, we're going to be giving out you know our five bets. We're going to be talking about heavily, we're going to be talking about aim towards the gambling side of things. We're also going to be covering these games and what, what I expect to see. So we're going to do it Thursday, you know, but when you hear it on Friday, if you listen to the podcast, you may be catching like the Thursday night football stuff. Obviously won't be ap- applicable. So let's go ahead and lock and load. Let's go ahead and lock and load. We'll be talking with chat through the entire time. So Twitch chat, uh, is, it can certainly get involved and drive the conversation. It'll be like a live call and show kind of thing. So this is the first time we're trying this live. So we're going to see how that works out. I think it'll work out well though. Let's do it. So Thursday night, interesting game. Bengals Browns. Uh, Vegas Insiders. Vegas opens up at Cleveland minus eight and a half, and it's basically moved all the way to, or it's moved to six across the board. Big swing. There's a big difference between eight and a half and six. You're going through with a key number of seven, which is telling me that the public is backing Cincinnati. The public is pushing towards Joe Burrow, pushing towards Cincinnati, which is interesting because both these teams lost. Right, both these teams lost. Obviously, one loss was way worse, but the level of competition was way better in the Ravens than uh, the Chargers. It's in it's in Cleveland, and not a huge deal. But travel is you know travel is something that's different nowadays. Traveling uh, through COVID and coronavirus is not as simple as it's not as simple as it, as it once was, or, or it was even a year ago. Now, I think the Browns are one of those teams. They're kind of like the Cowboys, where all eyes are on them every time they play. They have too many popular players. They have too many volatile players that people want to watch, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham or, or whoever. They want to watch this team. And so Browns losses, Cowboys losses are always going to be overreacted to. The wins are the same way. The Browns wins, people are going to love them. Cowboys wins, people are going to love them. If they lose, uh, it's the opposite. Now, the Bengals... So we did a video on stream, which should be coming out in the next couple of days, where we reacted to every single one of Joe Burrow's completions and and rushes in the game. I applauded Joe Burrow for how he played in the final three minutes of the game. But Joe Burrow, his stats and his whole game was nothing crazy. I wouldn't even say it was good if you look at it as a total package. It was just a bang average, slightly above average first game for for a rookie quarterback. He had some bad plays in there. He had some good plays in there. Like I said, an incredible last couple minutes, right? And I think that a lot of people are seeing that and seeing the the missed field goal, and they're basically upgrading Cincinnati and saying, well, they could have won this game. They should have won. They should have won. And it's like, well, you can't really do that. You know, you can't really do that. So I don't know if the upgrade is correct. So if I'm looking at this from a gambling point of view, was Cincinnati upgraded enough to go from an eight and a half point dog to flipping past seven and now being Cleveland minus six? I don't think so. Um, if I'm if I'm doing anything with the side, it would be Cleveland minus six. Personally, I would pass on this game 
Uh, I just don't trust Cleveland. I do think that their back is against the wall. I do think Baker Mayfield is the kind of player that when his back is against the wall, against the wall, he wants to come out and play. Odell Beckham, a lot of rumors about Odell Beckham possibly getting traded. The Browns possibly moving on from Odell Beckham Jr. And this is a spot where it's put up or shut up for the Browns. And we talked about this in week one, but a lot of new coaches like Kevin Stefanski would be having an issue in that first week. You know, uh, coaches like Matt Rule, Joe Judge. That's a really tough thing to do is to have your first game of your coaching career also be the first, basically the first uh, preseason game or the first OTA because there is none of that. So this was the first week of the season, the first preseason game, the first shot at, at live competition. And for those coaches, it's going to take a little while. So I think that the reaction to Joe Burrow, the reaction to Cincinnati, the reaction to the Browns, all is way too much. Now, if we look at the over-under, the over-under is 43.5. Vegas has it open at 46, moved down to 43.5. That sounds about right. Um, I, I would not say, like, I mean, how do you see this game going, right? Well, we saw in the Joe Burrow game plan, yes, he threw it 36 times, but a tremendous amount of that were screen passes, dumps, uh, one read, quick out routes, quick curls, not a lot of, it, this wasn't 36 pass attempts like uh, Matt Ryan's pass attempts, right? They, these were very methodical, very methodical. The Browns, I think the Browns are believed to be this kind of high power offense, but I mean, Kareem Hunt got 13 carries in a, in a game they were getting beat by 30 for most of the game. So I think the number's pretty close. I think 43 and a half is probably too low. Uh, you know, if it opened at 46, a big swing. I'd probably stay away from both of these. As far as away from, you know, if I had to gun to my head, I'd take Cleveland minus six here. Uh, this has like, you know, this this has something like 27-20 kind of a game written all over it. Uh, I, th- I think the Browns do bounce back. If the Browns go 0-2, that's a real, if the Browns go 0-2 to start this, I mean, what do you do? Do you just, do you offload Odell Beckham Jr. immediately? Like, do, you, do you think the Browns just immediately take Odell and send him? Like, do they immediately blow it up? Do they immediately say, this ain't working? Or do the Bing, or do the Browns say, all right, slow start. We'll give, we'll give Stefanski some more time. Because, I mean, the Browns had a really disappointing season last year with high expectations. A lot of people thought they could go to the Super Bowl. So this year, if they're starting off in the same manner, and you have this, this core of, uh, you know, Landry, Odell, and Mayfield, at what point do you start blowing that up? We're reading chat now for all of you listening on the podcast. Uh, send Baker before Odell. Try Keenum. I don't know. That's tough. I mean, you're talking about a first overall pick. That that that's that's really hard to to ship Baker Mayfield immediately. It would be interesting to know what the what the trade value would be for Baker Mayfield. I got a feeling be I got a feeling be pretty high. I got a feeling Baker Mayfield would have a pretty high ceiling if you're talking about getting rid of him, offloading him. If you if you look at what Teddy Bridgewater and what, what players like that get paid or what they get you know traded for, I think you're looking at Baker, and I think his ceiling is still relatively high. I th- I think I think Baker for a lot of teams, I mean I, I I'm I'm spitballing here, but if we go down the list, right, like who like look at these teams, like the Bears, I got a feeling the Bears would much rather to have Baker Mayfield over uh, Mitchell Trubisky. And, and I say would much rather, but I think the Bears would do anything 
to get Baker Mayfield over Mitchell Trubisky. If I if I keep going down the list, I mean Jacksonville, even Tennessee, Minnesota. I don't think you get rid of Kirk Cousins, but I think Baker Mayfield in the long term is what they need more with such a young team. And the Colts with Phillip Rivers, how much longer is he going to play? Uh, the Dolphins obviously have Tua. The Niners, that's that's a good question. How far how far off is Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield? And we'll get to the Niners, but I'm not so certain that the Niners wouldn't rather have Baker Mayfield. Now, you don't get rid of Jimmy G. He's on a hundred and whatever million dollar contract, so that's not even an option. But I'm talking about if you could just pick a player. Uh, the Broncos, I think, would rather have Baker than Drew Locke. You're looking at Pittsburgh. I mean, moving off of Ben Roethlisberger in the next year or two. Uh, Washington, Dwayne Haskins, I think Baker's better than him. Chargers, Baker's better than Tyrod Taylor. The Raiders, would they rather have Baker or Derek Carr? I can tell you just from selling tickets, just from TV ratings, they'd rather have Baker. Uh, Las Vegas would love to have Baker there. So I think you keep Baker. Uh, we're going to go back to Twitch chat here. I can see uh, Mickey Loomis taking a shot at trying to grab Baker. I would guess maybe a second or a third and fourth. I doubt you get a first. I I, I think that's way too low. Way too low. I mean, you're, you're, talking about, you're talking about a starting quarterback in the NFL who's only, what, 24 years old? Maybe not even. And with, who knows what his ceiling is? When you see Brandon Cooks and players like that getting traded for first-round picks and second-round picks, the, the, the impact, the value of a Baker Mayfield versus a Brandon Cooks is astronomical. So I think to get Baker from the Browns would be a whole hell of a lot. And there's no way the Browns offload Baker Mayfield before they offload Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham, we talked about this before. Is Odell Beckham that, like, what is he? What? How do y'all see Odell Beckham Jr.? What, what do y'all think he is right now? Is he the guy who made the really dope catch? Is he the guy who dances? Is he the guy with the sweet hair? Is he the guy who uh, is on GQ? Because I don't think he's the a top three wide receiver in the NFL. I don't think he's that, right? I, I don't think it's that. I don't, I don't think Odell Beckham, I don't think anybody is t- saying that Odell Beckham Jr. is a top wide receiver anymore. So what is he? I think that's what the Browns are really answering because when they got him, it was like, man, we got Baker, we've got Odell, we've got Jarvis, we have Kareem Hunt. I mean, we have we have Nick Chubb. We have an we have an actual offense here. We have an actual offense, you know. But where where is he actually? What is their offense actually? I think it's more Baker than Odell. I think Baker is limited. I mean, we we've seen before advanced analytics talk about Baker can only roll out of the pocket one way. He cannot roll out of the pocket both ways. We know that he looks on one side of the field a lot, all those things. So we know Baker is limited, but he's still young. You know, it is Baker. How limited is Baker? And this is what I was talking about with the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys get a ton of overreaction. Dak is either the best quarterback in the league or he's total shit, get rid of him. Baker's the same way. The Browns are the same way. People either look at him as the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. I still think Baker is better than... A lot of these quarterbacks. I mean, we went, we just went down the list. The Giants, the Bears, uh, the Jaguars, probably the Titans, probably the Colts, probably the Niners, definitely the Jets, maybe the Rams, probably the Broncos, the Panthers, the Redskins, the Chargers, the Raiders. All those teams, I think, would rather have Baker Mayfield than who they have starting. 
So we're saying Baker's washed. We're saying Baker can go. But more than half the NFL would say, well, bring him on over here. I mean, I think he is still a top 12 to 15 receiver. Put him on a team with a stud quarterback, and he is right back in the top 7-8 range. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's about right. I think that's about right. I think this idea that he was a once-in-a-generational wide receiver with hands that we've never seen before who can do anything, a Randy Moss type, I think that is, is incorrect. I think he's I think he's less of that, which is what he was believed to be after the catch. And I think he's more of a super solid target, a super solid guy who can be that 7th to 8th best receiver in the league with a good quarterback. I mean, the difference between, let's just say, Julio Jones and Odell Beckham, I think are pretty obvious, right? I, I, I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Julio Jones is way better than Odell Beckham. I mean, uh, yeah, than Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think there's even a question, right? Michael Thomas, not a question. Really? I don't think that many teams want Baker. I mean, I've done this, I've done this a few times, but the Giants, obviously, Daniel Jones, they would rather have Baker. Mitchell Trubisky, obviously they'd rather have Baker. If you go again, Jaguars, obviously they'd rather have Baker than Gardner Minshew. Tennessee, they Ryan Tannehill threw the ball seven times in the AFC Championship game. I think they'd be fine with Baker. The Colts, Phillip Rivers, how much longer is he even going to be there? So they would love to have Baker. Uh, the Niners, they're not they're not moving off of Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker, pretty damn. I mean, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is way better than Baker, especially what we saw in the first in the first game from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the Jets would rather have Baker. The Rams, very similar. Jared Goff and Baker are obviously are honestly pretty pretty parallel players. They're both very singular players. They both can do a very specific thing if they can do that thing. They're awesome. If they can't do that thing, they suck. Uh, the Broncos. Drew Locke, I'd rather have Baker. Steelers, again, Roethlisberger, what, one more year? Maybe? Two years max? Washington, Haskins or Baker? Not even a question. Uh, Chargers, Tyrod Taylor or Baker? Not even a question. Raiders, I think Las Vegas would much rather sell season tickets and jerseys and whatever else with Baker than with uh, Derek Carr. So we'll move off of the Bengals-Browns game. I don't have a pick for that game as far as betting-wise, but I would... uh, I would, it would go into my head, I would take Cleveland minus six. Last comment on this. I mean, maybe in a condensed bubble, of like, just like, can I have him for free? Sure. But if we were talking how they would have to get him and the different fits for each team, I'm saying you, I'm saying you have the GM of each team, and you're telling the GM, hey, man, you can push this button, and if you push this button, we'll swap quarterbacks. Those are the teams that I think would push that button. Next game, so that's Thursday night. It's also important to remember this is, this is the first game that any team is having a shortened week. So this is already a weird season. This is already a weird COVID season. This is already a weird, uh, you know, a bit of a mess. So now this is the first time that Kevin Stefanski, think about that, a new coach, is the first time that he's going to have to prepare for a team with low uh, practice time or low prep time playing on Sunday and then Thursday. So we're going to see how that affects them. That is a big deal for both these teams being able to uh, have to do this on low prep. Joe Burrow. Rookie quarterback, this is the first time he's playing a game with a very condensed window of prep. He had however many months to prepare for the Chargers, and now he's got three days to prepare for the Browns. So that is something to pay attention to there. That could certainly help the under. Next game, Giants and Bears. This is an interesting game. Let's talk about Now We talked at length on Monday, on a Tuesday show, about how the Lions and Bears game was the biggest disaster in NFL history. That bear, the Bears won a game that in NFL history, only 
oh no, excuse me, 0.4% of teams have ever won. Only 0.4% of teams in NFL history that were in the same situation the Bears were in in the fourth quarter of the game against the Lions, 0.4% have won that situation. So the Bears are 1-0. People saw the Bears made this incredible comeback, and they're overreacting to that. The line is Chicago minus 5.5 at home, over under 42. Vegas has this game open at 5, move to 5.5, open 43.5, move to 42. I like the Giants here, and I'm, I I have not, between me, you, and the camera, I have not been to the book, so I do not have a ticket on this game. I don't have a ticket on it. I don't have no tickets right now. I'll more than likely go tomorrow, and I'll tweet out what I have a ticket on so that people are, are you know, I don't want to tell you all to bet on games that I'm not betting on. So I'm always going to tell you the games that I actually have a ticket on or the games that I just like or the games that I, I move away from. I do not have a ticket on this yet, but I will be looking hard at this game. I think giving, I think Mitchell Trubisky giving any team, if any team, five and a half points is insane. This game, the Bears are a fluke. The Bears converted 18% of third downs against the Lions. The Lions absolutely dominated. And as we said before, Matt Patricia shit all over his shoes and allowed the Bears to come back. I don't think the Bears are good at all. I think Trubisky is ass. And I think Daniel Jones has enough talent around him in, uh, in uh, Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard, players like that, to keep this thing close. Now let's take a look at, at week one. Okay, let's, ta- let's take a look at uh, the Giants. So the Giants played the Steelers on Monday night. Lost by 10. Kept it close. Okay, they, they were outscored uh, 10 to 6 in, in the second half. So this game was pretty close throughout, right? We, we would say the Steelers are a halfway decent team, somewhere around the 10th best team in the NFL, somewhere between 10 and 13. So if we look at Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley had 15 carries for six yards. If I told you, if I told you that Saquon Barkley had 15 carries for six yards, how would you say the Giants did? If, 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 if that's all I told you, if all I told you was that Saquon Barkley had 15 carries for six yards. You would say they probably got absolutely annihilated. Absolutely annihilated. If I told you Daniel Jones in that same game went 26 for 41 with 279 yards and two picks, you'd say this was this was an ass whipping. What was it, 70 to nothing? The fact that they held this kind of close, the fact that they held they kept this within 10 points with Pittsburgh, that says something. That says something to me. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger had more yards rushing than Saquon Barkley. So if we go back to this game, you're telling me that they can't keep the game as close against Chicago? Are we expecting Are we expecting Saquon Barkley to have six yards again? I'm not. So what happens in the game where they kept it within 10? What happens in the game if Saquon Barkley just just has 70 yards, 80 yards. How much better is their offense? How much better is that for the, for the Giants? So I think you take what the public saw with the Bears. I think you take what the public saw with the Bears and what they're overreacting to the comeback win. You take that and you use that and you take the points here. Now, it's not a big inflation. Again, we're talking about a half point. Open at five, move to five and a half. 
Might be able to find it at six some places by the time kickoff happens. I'm not not guaranteeing that, but I would say I would say I'm looking at the Giants. I don't want to say I bet them or like them because I haven't done anything, but I'm looking at the Giants for sure of uh, of one of my games. So I would take the Giants here over under 42. I don't hate the idea of going under in this game, but uh, as a low under. And I'm kind of wary of low unders because of how bad defenses are playing right now with the no prep time. So defenses are struggling with tackling, things like that. Next game. Falcons-Cowboys, interesting game as well. So this game opens up, let's see, Dallas opened up at minus 7.5. It gets bet all the way down to 4.5 across the board. This is what I was talking about, ladies and gentlemen, with the overreaction of the Dallas Cowboys. When Dallas loses, the world knows they lose. When Dallas wins, the world knows they win. On top of that, Dallas lost on Sunday Night Football, so the entire world was watching that game. Now let's think about the Falcons. Falcons played at home, lost to the Seahawks in pretty convincing fashion. But the Falcons scored. The Falcons scored like the first four possessions, something like that, and then they just got shut out by the Seahawks. We know the Falcons have a terrible defense. We know there's real questions about their defense. Uh, Matt Ryan had some really bad plays in that first game. I thought I watched, so I watched the entire. I watched both of these games. I watched the entire Seahawks Falcons game. I watched the entire Cowboys Rams game. I think the Cowboys did some good things, but their red zone was just so bad. And Mike McCarthy's fourth and three with ten minutes left. We don't we don't have to talk about that, but that was bad as well. Uh, missed a few field goals. So the, you know the Cowboys Rams game has been interesting. Now the Cowboys are at home. I think that I would take Dallas here. I mean, I I'm, I I, th- I think Dallas is the play. I don't think you could take Atlanta after losing that much value. I don't think you take this game and say, I don't think you take this game and say, oh wow, I'll yeah sure, I'll punt three and a half points of value and take Atlanta, who just got shellacked at home and now is going on the road to Dallas. Not like it's a huge travel, but still they're going on the road. So. If anything, I'm taking Dallas. I think four is a pretty good amount of value. Now Dallas does have a ton of injuries. All right, now let's not let's not let's not you know mince words here. Dallas has a ton of injuries. Their offensive line, I think they're down to two tackles. Uh, Van Der Esch is out. Sean Lee is out. He just had surgery, so Dallas is banged up, and that is a big problem. And that could be more why the line is moved versus just reaction is that Dallas is down to nobody. I mean, Dallas has a lot of offensive line issues. We saw that, and uh, you know, and now they have a lot of issues in their linebacking core. The question is, can Atlanta, can Atlanta take advantage of that? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. If Dallas plays the same way they played against L.A., and Atlanta plays the same way they played against Seattle, I, could, I mean, I, I, I'd lean. I think Dallas is going to win this game. Cover, uh, I mean, four points, like I said. I got to take the movement. I got to be on this side of it. So I would take Dallas uh, minus four, if anything. Now, as far as um, as far as this over, it's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. 50, 53 in some places, 52 and a half. You're talking about pretty similar number to the Chiefs-Texans game. And it's hard to imagine the Chiefs-Texans having like a worse total offense than uh, Atlanta and Dallas. So that, 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 that is a huge total. Uh, I don't think, I mean, Atlanta's defense is bad, but that's rough. And Dallas's problem is the secondary. Dallas's weakness is that secondary for sure. So if you're under the idea that, hey, Atlanta has a terrible defense and Dallas has trouble stopping teams to throw, Atlanta likes to throw, I can see it. But that's a lot of points. A lot of points. 
JJ the Tutor, how are you doing? Slide up in the chat. DMS, slide up in the chat. How are you doing? Thank you for being up in here for the second football show live of the week. Next game, Lions-Packers. And you talk about some overreaction. So let's find this game on the old Vegas Insiders. So it opened up at minus 6.5 for Green Bay. It slid a little bit down to 6. The over-under opened at 46 and has moved to 49.5 virtually across the board. This is an overreaction both ways. So we saw the Lions blow that game. Now the Lions could have easily won that game. Okay, so what's the what is the narrative? If the Lions make one more third down conversion and they and they beat they beat the Bears. What's the narrative here? What's the what? Because we got we can't always just look at results. We have to look at how the game was played and who should have won. So what is the narrative? What's the line? Do you think if the Lions beat the Bears? That's the first question. Second question is the Packers bludgeon the Vikings. How many people are seeing Aaron Rodgers throw for a go thirty two for forty four? for 364 yards and four touchdowns, and are saying Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. How many people are saying Green Bay is going to win 13-14 game? All right. Let's think about that. Let's think about that. So you got two narratives that are going opposite directions. People are offloading the Lions, and people are jumping aboard the Packers train. I think this game, if I would take the Lions. So I lean the Lions here. I think the Lions... Again, 99.6% of teams in that spot won. It's a fluky loss, a terrible loss at home. Totally agree. Totally agree. But I think that it might be the narrative is driving too much with the Lions. The Packers, same deal. I think you're going to see a lot of people jumping on the fact that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is playing mad. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Is that really the case or did he just have a really good game? We don't know. But I would like to be on the other side of, the, of this public narrative that Green Bay, uh, you know, is on fire. Aaron Rodgers is on fire, and the and the Lions suck. So give me the Lions plus six. Uh, we'll we'll go at the end. We'll we'll, we'll go back and I'll, I'll give you five games. I'll probably bet this could be one of them, but I would take the Lions over under forty nine. Uh, it's going up a little bit, probably because of how much the Packers scored. Mm, I think if I had to, I might take the over here. I think I think I kind of like the over to be honest, because you know Stafford's going to throw, Aaron's going to throw. The defenses are still having trouble. The defenses are still still struggling as far as the beginning of the season. Uh, both these teams are you know the Packers Vikings game was a score festival, so I don't have a problem with the over of forty nine. I'm not going to give out overs of my top five picks. I'm just going to do lines or sides, but I don't hate the over forty nine at all. I'm I, I'll probably. I'll probably have a ticket on the over 49 if I had to guess. Jaguars-Titans. This is a game that I, I, I will... I don't want to say I will be betting, but it's really close. So it opened up at 11. Okay? Tennessee's at home. Opened up at 11. Tennessee minus 11. It's moved to 8.5. Opened up at 42.5. It's moved to 44 to 43, depending on where you shop. I, I, look, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not taking Tennessee minus eight and a half. I'm not taking Tennessee minus 11. I would be taking Jacksonville. What do we know about Jacksonville? What do we know about Jacksonville? They're playing hard. That's what you want in a team that's getting, that's giving, that's getting a lot of points. Here, here's a little pro tip. When you're taking a big-ass dog, and you're taking you know, the Cujos of the NFL, and you've got a big dog, all you want is that the dog will play hard. That's all you want. All you want 
is the idea that whoever you're betting on isn't going to give up. And that's why Deshaun Watson is such a great dog bet. That's why Russell Wilson is such a great dog bet. Because those players do not quit. And so many times you see with six, seven minutes left, eight minutes left, nine minutes left, those quarterbacks, Andrew Luck was a great dog better. Those quarterbacks are working their ass off to drive their team down the field while the favorite, while the team is getting the blowout win, while that team is shutting it down, the Russell Wilsons, the Deshaun Watsons, the Andrew Lucks, the Gardner Minshews are playing and they're slinging it all over the place. So I think the Jaguars, the way they're playing right now, are generally a pretty good bet when they're getting double-digit points or somewhere near it. Now let's look at Tennessee. What did Tennessee just do? Tennessee just played in Denver, right? So you got to think the altitude is going to be a problem for Denver. Denver went and played a tough game against, or excuse me, Tennessee just played a tough game against Denver. Tennessee won a close game. Derrick Henry had 31 carries. And they're turning around, traveling home, leaving the altitude, leaving a very physical game. And what do we expect out of them? To run Derrick Henry 30 more times? Is Derrick Henry going to actually carry the ball 60 times in the first two weeks of the season? One being at mile high without any OTAs, without any pregame, without any practice at all? That sounds a little, that sounds a little bit much to me. So if Derrick Henry is relatively limited or just not as, not as you know, he's not pounding like he was in the first week, if that's the case, then what is Tennessee's offense? Not good. So how the hell is Tennessee going to get that much margin? How the hell is Tennessee going to get 8.5 to 11 points of margin when you have a Jacksonville Jaguars team who's going to be slinging it until the very end because of Gardner Minshew? I mean, it, this, this just doesn't line up to me. This doesn't line up to me at all. So I more than likely will have a ticket on Jacksonville. I would hope. I mean, I kind of wish Jacksonville would have lost. Actually, I don't, because Jacksonville, you could argue that they're tanking. Uh, first of all, I don't think NFL teams tank. I think organizations tank, but I don't think players tank. I think Jacksonville, if they would have lost, they might be you know, disheveled. They might be thinking, uh, we suck. They might be thinking, let's, let's throw this season away. Now they're probably thinking, hey, bad news bears. Back against the wall, the stash is back. We believe in Minshew. So I'm looking here to play the Jaguars. If you play the Jaguars, you probably play like a correlated under. I think the under of 44 might be a thing because if you're playing the Jaguars, you're believing the Titans won't the Titans will not score that much. The Titans offense won't be the same. So if that's the case, you probably want to take Jaguars and uh and a low total here. So what's the to- total moved? Total moved to 42 and a half. Yeah, so anytime you have a low total like that and a giant line, it always feels good because you know Vegas is already telling you there's not going to be a lot of points in this game. That's good for you because if not a lot of points are being scored, then it's hard to get separation. So I'm looking at Jacksonville, possibly the under. I just think Tennessee going on the road, I think playing a mile high, I think coming back home. Derrick Henry, we got to think he's going to be sore. We got to think he's going to be feeling some fatigue after playing up in the mountains. So I'm, I'm liking Jacksonville here. Vikings and Colts. This this game, I will have a time. I'm going to tell you this right now. I think this is my favorite game of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Is going to be the Vikings plus three. So this game opened up Minnesota, opened up three and a half, moved to three at Indy. Now, Minnesota has some issues. We know that. Minnesota has some issues, for sure. They, they got rid of a lot of players and refueled through the draft with young players. But they have Mike Zimmer. I think Mike Zimmer is probably a top three coach in the NFL. Statistically, his winning percentage 
in Minnesota, similar to Belichick in New England. And if he's that winning of a coach, that good of a coach, which I believe he is, and if you look at the stats, you'll believe me as well, I'm backing him to not go 0-2. And I don't even need him to not go 0-2. I just need him to keep it within three, the magic number. So we get a good number with the better coach, arguably the better team. Now, it is on the road, how much that matters in, in today's day and age, I'm not sure. And what did the Colts do? What did the Colts do to deserve this? What did the Colts do to deserve to be three-point favorites against Minnesota? They lost to Jacksonville. They lost to Jacksonville. So what are you telling me? Are you telling me that you that Indianapolis losing to Jacksonville, it gives me confidence in this team? Now, Minnesota got the hell beat out of them by, by Green Bay, sure. But I will take Mike Zimmer to not go 0-2 here. And I'm getting the points at a great number. This is my play of the week. I'm going to tell you that right now. I will have a ticket on Minnesota. I will have a ticket on Zimmer. I will have them. Minnesota plus three is what I'm looking at. Next game. Bills Dolphins. Bills Dolphins. Bills Dolphins. Now, we got Buffalo, Miami. One o'clock in Miami. Bills minus three. On the road, it opened up at is moved to five and a half to six. Big move on the Bills. Big move on the Bills. Over under open at forty three. Move to forty one. So let's talk about what we saw in the first in the first week from both teams. What we saw was the Dolphins just get lit up by Cam Newton on the ground. That's not good, right? That's not good. So you have the Dolphins who just struggled against a running quarterback. What the hell do you think Buffalo's going to do? What's, what's Buffalo going to do? Josh Allen's going to run all over the place. So if, 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 if the Dolphins couldn't stop Cam Newton, don't you think that they're going to turn around and have the same issues with Buffalo? Now let's talk about Buffalo. Buffalo only won by 10 points against the Jets, although they completely dominated the game. So how do we look at that game? Do we look at Buffalo and say they dominated the Jets? Or do we look at Buffalo and say, man, they only won by 10 they only won by 10 at home against the Jets. What do we say there? What's the actual narrative there with the Bills? The Bills also have to go to Miami. What's going to be the weather in Miami? Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Miami weather. Let's do this. So Miami is 87 degrees right now. On Sunday, it, the high is 87. All right, let's go to Buffalo. Let's look at Buffalo's weather. Right now in Buffalo, it's 69 degrees. Cheeky. Absolutely cheeky for Buffalo. So Buffalo's been chilling in 70 to 60 degrees, and then they're going down to 87, 89 degrees in Miami. It's a big difference. 68% humidity. So that, that's something to think about with Buffalo. Buffalo's going to be tired. Both teams will be tired, but Buffalo's traveling. Is that a problem? I think so. I think so. Now, Fitzpatrick was terrible. Fitzmagic was absolutely terrible. I think he was he was really bad. And I think Miami is looking at, you know, when's it going to be two a time? Go to the chat here. 41 is so low for Dolphins and Bills. Sticks out to me. Fitzy throws that thing around. Turnovers, Bills look good. Florida weather, recipe for points. I do like the idea that Fitzmagic is going to have turnovers, especially against the Bills defense. In my opinion, the best defense in the league. But what this tells me is... I think what we're going to see is something to the combination of Buffalo getting turnovers, Buffalo controlling the game with Josh Allen, 
Buffalo stymieing the game with running the football. They know running the quarterback might be the move. So running the football could be the thing. I like that idea a lot. Now, as far as the number, that's a lot. That's a lot of public backing on Buffalo. They go from three to six. I don't know about the number. I lean Buffalo. I'm going to tell you that right now. I lean Buffalo. I kind of honestly like the idea of the under. I like the idea of the under. I like the idea of the Bills getting hot and sweaty in Miami. The Bills not really feeling that great. Not not Just kind of struggling down there. But I like the idea of them moving the ball and having a lot of time of possession with running Josh Allen. So I'm looking for Josh Allen to have a good running football day. A good day on the ground. Moving the chains on third and one, third and two, fourth and one, fourth and two. I'm looking for Buffalo to have a heavy time of possession. Now, the separation, I think, will come with turnovers. Fitzpatrick, going to turn the ball over. I think that's where you'll see Buffalo possibly extend the lead into that 10-point range. Gun to my head, I'm taking Buffalo, and I'm looking at the under. This thing's got something like uh, 24-10, something like that written all over it. 24-10. So this, this could be a play. This could be a play. Next game. We're still in the noon games. Next game. Niners-Jets. Okay. 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 This is controversial yet brave. Controversial yet brave, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking at the Jets plus seven here. I'm looking at the Jets plus seven, and I'll tell you why. The Niners traveling west to east, early morning game. 0-1. Now, back is against the wall for Frisco. They're feeling the pressure. Who's feeling the pressure the most? Jimmy freaking Garoppolo. 19 for 33, 259 yards, two touchdowns. He was awful. Awful. Awful in week one. Absolutely terrible. How much confidence does Kyle Shanahan have in Jimmy Garoppolo right now? This is what you have to do if you're Frisco in this game. You have to go across the country, play at noon, which on your time is like 9 a.m., you're playing it at, at, well, I guess you're technically playing at one. You're playing at one. Your body clock is all screwed up. You just lost. You got punched in the face. Lost a divisional game. You cannot be hyped up for this game. You're playing the Jets. You, you had this circle on your calendar as a win the whole offseason. I think what you're going to see here is the Niners go across the country and just take care of business. This could easily be like nine to three. This could be 10 to seven, 13 to seven. This has got shit game written all over it. I'm looking at the under, and I'm looking at the Jets plus seven. When you're going across the country like that, it's just too damn much. It's too much. This game opened at Frisco minus four. The public has moved this thing from four to seven. All right? So what? Uh, it's a lot of public steam. It's a lot of public backing to go from losing your first game, traveling across the country, and the worst possible travel spot you can have, west coast to east coast, playing the morning game. I'm taking the Jets here plus seven, and I'm looking at the at the under. Jimmy Garoppolo is on the hot seat right now. I'll tell you that right now. Jimmy Garoppolo was not great towards the end of the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo is starting the season off bad. There are real questions about how good Jimmy Garoppolo is. Is Jimmy Garoppolo Joe Flacco? Is Jimmy Garoppolo uh, Rex Grossman? Is he these quarterbacks who got to the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl and turned out to be not very good? Is that who he is? What do y'all think, chat? What do y'all think Jimmy Garoppolo is? Is he the franchise quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers? Or is he a Trent Dilfer, uh, you know, Elvis Gerback, Brad Johnson type? I think he's closer to that. 
I think he's a little closer to that kind of a quarterback than he is to a Super Bowl winning franchise guy. And if you're giving me an average to below average quarterback, and you're telling me that he's got to go across the universe, play in the early game, and get a touchdown worth of separation, I don't think that's going to be the case. Now the Jets, look, the Jets played tough against the Bills. The, the Jets got dominated, but they kept it close. If the Jets get dominated and keep it within 10 points, I got to feel good about that if, I'm, if, I, if I have them playing Frisco, who's going to be on travel fatigue, and who's going to be, I would think, uh, low on confidence after their first game. So I'm, I'm looking at the Jets. I'm looking at a nice little pick here on the Jets plus seven. Next up, Rams-Eagles. So the Rams, find this game real quick on Vegas Insider. Rams, here we go. The Rams opened up. Okay, the Eagles opened up minus four and a half. How about this shit? The Eagles opened up minus four and a half. And the public has moved them all the way down to a pick. A pick. A pick. So the Rams, Eagles, the Rams are it's now a pick. Over under was 49. Moved down to 46 to 45 and a half. So big movement on this game. I don't have a play on this game. But my God, you talk about some damn value on the Eagles. You talk about, I mean, the Eagles sitting at four and a half, you're getting four to four and a half points of value for the Eagles. Now let's think about the Eagles. Why are people low on the Eagles? Because they got lost, because they got blown out by the Redskins. Okay? Because they got blown out by the Redskins. Understandable. Absolutely understandable. And this is another situation. The Rams are coming from Los Angeles all the way to Philadelphia. And... They're coming on short rest. They played Sunday night. So the game ends. They're tired. They, they played almost as late as you can. Monday night, obviously, is later. They played late Sunday night. Then they had to go across the country to Philadelphia and play in the early game. Same deal as the Niners. I think with the value you're losing, I think Philadelphia is the play here. I don't know if I'll have a ticket on Philadelphia, but this is where I would be. This is where I'd be taking the home team here. I think it's just it's just too much of an overreaction to this to this Washington situation. Philadelphia was up what seventeen to nothing at one point at halftime, I think. So Philly was kind of putting it on them. So Philly had one great half and one bad half. Is the overreaction to the one bad half a little too much? I think possibly. I think possibly that could be the situation. So I'm looking at Philadelphia on the pick here, taking the value, taking the Rams on the travel spot. And play in Philly. And again, you're talking about the Rams who lost, or the Rams who beat Dallas, the team that uh, people love to overreact to. So, Eagles, I don't know if it'll be one of my top five plays, but definitely a play that I'll have to dive a little further into. Broncos, Steelers. Broncos, Steelers. So, both these teams played on Monday night. Broncos are on the road at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is minus seven and a half. Let's take a look at the opener. Um, so it opened at five, moved to seven, opened at 44, moved to 40 and a half. These are two teams I'm not totally sure on here. I'm not totally sure on these two teams. How good, how good are either of these teams? I think it's seven and a half. You have to take Denver. At seven and a half, I think it's too much. Seven and a half, I think you have to take Denver. Uh, this, this feels like a low scoring game over under 40 and a half tells you that they expect it to be a low scoring game as well. And like we talked about earlier, a low-scoring game is absolutely fantastic when you have a big spread to cover. So if you're betting the under, you've got to be looking at Denver. 
got to be looking at different. Now, the question is, both the, the jury is still out on both these teams. Denver played on Monday night and played a tough game against Tennessee. Physical game, had to deal with Derrick Henry running the ball 30 times. So how is Denver feeling? How are they feeling going on the road, going to Pittsburgh? I think the line. I think the whole thing is the line. I really do. I think there's one of those things where if if you told me to pick a winner, I'd take Pittsburgh. But if you told me, I mean, seven point seven and a half. If you can get a seven and a half, seven and a half, I'm 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 liking what Denver's got going on. When, until I see Pittsburgh really start getting separation, until I see Pittsburgh really beating teams, it's going to be difficult for me to to do this. Especially like I said earlier, the idea that the defenses are struggling. The idea that defenses are having trouble with tackling, those kind of things makes it difficult for Pittsburgh to have a multiple stops on Denver in order to get the separation to cover the seven and a half. So I think, gun to my head, I'd be taking Denver here. God, we're still in the we're still in the noon games. Panthers, Bucks, Bucks opened up eight and a half point favorites. It's moved to nine. Eight and a half, somewhere in there. Depends on where you shop. Over under 48. With as uh, moved to like 47 and a half. In Tampa Bay. I'd stay so far, so far away from this game. Uh, I'll tell you this. Tampa Bay does not look like a team that's going to be, that should be an eight and a half, nine point favorite anywhere. Tampa, uh, Carolina, not that bad. Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, not going to make mistakes. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, best running back in the league. Now I will say Tampa Bay's run defense is the best is the best in the NFL. So if you have the best running defense in the NFL against the best running back in the NFL, usually side with the defense. So if Carolina can't run the ball, if Carolina can't run the football, is Bridgewater going to be able to do the rest? Hard to say. Now let's talk about Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is in the same situation as the Browns. The whole universe think they suck. Bruce Arians is calling out Tom Brady. Mike Evans had one reception. You don't think this team is pissed? You don't think the Buccaneers team is pissed? We're about to see, we are about to see what the Buccaneers are made out of here. This is another divisional game. If you go 0-2 after that offseason and you drop two divisional games, your season's kind of over. They have too many winners on this team between Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Gronkowski. From a locker room perspective, this is the team with max motivation. If you are betting on a team, one thing you want them to have is the motivation edge. Who do you think has the motivation edge with Carolina and Tampa Bay? I'll tell you who. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, this is the Super Bowl. This is Tampa Bay's season. You know what this is to Carolina? Week two. That's a big difference, ladies and gentlemen. I think the line is too big, but I love this on a teaser. This is a great teaser bet. This is called an advantage teaser. Teasing it through the eight. As you tease through seven and you tease through three. So you get them on a six point teaser. All of a sudden you have Tampa Bay minus two and a half. So you go through two major numbers. I like Tampa Bay on a teaser. I stay away from Tampa Bay minus eight and a half. This is also a good play for a, a survival pool. If you're in a survival pool situation where you got to pick just a winner, this is the week I think to pick Tampa Bay. Max motivation spot coming off of an, an embarrassing loss with the greatest winner in NFL history in Tom Brady. He writes the ship here. What I'm going to be looking for here is Mike Evans. So Mike Evans, we don't know how healthy he is. 
But you got to think him and Brady want to work on their chemistry. Him and Brady want to work on uh, their perception in the media, their perception you know, on the team. Evans having one catch is not good. So Brady's got to find his guys. I like Tampa Bay here to win the game. I'm teasing them. I'm not playing that, but I, I would definitely tease that. Next up, this is from the chat. Think I'm in on Arizona at home. Washington comes down to earth in Zona, in my opinion. So, afternoon game. Washington, Arizona, line, Arizona, minus six and a half. Where did this bad boy open? Open to seven. Open to seven. So, a little bit of money on Washington. Nothing too crazy. Nothing to really talk about. Open up 45 and a half on the opener, over-under-wise. Move to 46 and a half to 47. I would stay away from this game. If I had a gun to my head, I'd probably take Arizona. Because I do agree, I think Washington is a generally below-average team. The thing I'll say about Washington is I do not expect them to make mistakes. And that's good. That's good for a dog. Dwayne Haskins, I don't think, is a good quarterback, but he doesn't turn the ball over. You, you can't argue with that. He's, for whatever reason, he's pretty safe with the football. On top of Ron Rivera, I, I think what you know we said last week, Ron Rivera was going to do a lot for this franchise. Ron Rivera offers a lot for the Washington football team. They offer He offers a lot of stability. He offers a lot of organizational structure, especially traveling. You will see this in the NFL. Teams with great organizational structure, the Patriots, Ron Rivera, the Vikings, those teams do better in spots where they have to travel, where they have to go abroad, go across, go overseas to Mexico City or London. You want the better organization. Ron Rivera boosts that in spades with Washington. So I think, I think they're apt to travel. I think they're apt to take on this coronavirus thing. We saw that Washington, you know, we saw the reports that Ron Rivera was getting an IV at halftime because of his fight with cancer. That team obviously took to that. Washington came out in the second half and exploded. Washington beat the shit out of Philadelphia in the second half. I have a feeling a lot of that had to do with them turning around and saying, look at our coach. Our coach is getting an FNIZ, IV. You don't want an IZ. You trust me. They turned around and said, look at our coach, man. He's fighting cancer. And they responded. And when you have a team like that, that believes in themselves, a team that's getting behind their coach, getting behind themselves, they're a dangerous team to give a touchdown. Washington's D-line is so stacked, it'll probably make a lot of games interesting. Yeah, I agree. Now, Arizona's on the flip side, right? Is, is Arizona the hottest team in football? As far as, like, momentum, as far as all that? Maybe. They just beat Frisco on the road. They played Frisco great twice last year. How how good is Arizona? Is Arizona taking the step forward that everyone thought Cleveland was going to take last year? Arizona is not a team I want, I want to be betting against. Cliff Kingsbury could be taking that step while Kyler Murray is. And they also have DeAndre Hopkins. This is a team that believes. This is a great game. I don't have a play on this game. I'd probably lean Arizona because I do think Washington may be getting a little bit of public steam. Maybe. Maybe getting a little bit of public steam. So I'd take Arizona and just ride the hot hand. But I'm going to be very interested in watching this game. Very interested in watching this. This is going to be a good game right here. 
I like both these franchises. Chiefs Chargers. Chiefs are a opened up five and a half at LA. Chiefs opened up five and a half, moved to eight and a half. Over under open fifty one and a half, dropped down to forty seven and a half. So here's the here's the the predicament, the kerfuffle with actually kerfuffles kerfuffles not a right word there. Here's the predicament with Kansas City. Kansas City are, is the most publicly backed team in the NFL. When the when the most publicly backed team in the NFL is also the best team in the NFL, you're going to be paying a premium every game on Kansas City. Obviously here, opened up, what I say, five and a half, moved to eight and a half. But you cannot bet against them. So this is one of those things where you really either are laying a terrible ass number or you're not playing it. I would take the Chiefs if I had to, but I'm not going to be taking the Chiefs. Why would I take the Chiefs? I'll tell you why. Tyrod Taylor sucked out loud in week one. We know Kansas City is going to score, right? Do I want Tyrod Taylor in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes? Fuck no, baby. Hell no. Oh, hell no. Hell no. Kansas City is who I want if this game gets, gets point scoring. Over-under is 47 and a half. If the over-under is 47 and a half, I don't expect Tyrod Taylor to be able to get back there and just sling the ball around and keep up with Patrick Mahomes. So that's why I like Kansas City, or I would take Kansas City, but I'm not going to ever be looking to bet the most premium team, the most public team in these high spots like this, especially on the road, divisional game. So I'm not betting this game. If I had to, it's Kansas City strictly because there is such a difference in Patrick Mahomes versus Tyrod Taylor. Such a difference. So this is a it's a weird game, but that's what I'd be doing. Next game. Ravens Texans. Ravens Texans opened up 6, moved to 7, nothing too crazy. 54 and a half opener dropped down to 50. Now it's important to note these teams played last year, I believe, and the Ravens beat the shit out of the Texans. So there could be a, you know, a schematic difference there where Bill O'Brien just can't deal with this, where the Ravens had the Texans number. Uh, we know that players are having trouble tackling right now. The Texans had a terrible defensive game against the Chiefs. The Texans had a lot of tackling issues. And the, the team you do not want to play with those tackling issues is the Baltimore Ravens. Am I laying these, these points? No, I'm not laying these points. Am I touching this game? Probably not. If I had to do anything, I'd probably bet the over because I could see Baltimore getting out to a big lead and then having Deshaun Watson get some ugly, ugly uh, you know, points late. So another deal where you're getting a super heavily bet premium favorite in the Ravens and a great dog quarterback in Deshaun Watson. I do think Bill O'Brien might have a schematic issue with Baltimore, and John Harborough and Baltimore is a team that loves to exploit those kind of games. So I'd stay away from this one. Gun to my head. Gun to my head, man, I'd probably take Baltimore, but I'd also be looking to play the over, for sure. I don't see how you can bet the under. I don't get that one. Unless you think that Baltimore, if you bet the under, you almost have to take Baltimore. Because you have to think Baltimore is just going to win like 40 to nothing. Because if it gets into a shootout, if it gets into an offensive explosion, you got to think Baltimore 
you, you don't beat a team 40-something by 40-something points in one year and the next year that, like, Baltimore isn't a tricky team. You know what I mean? Like, Baltimore's going to do basically the exact same thing. So if Baltimore beats the hell out of somebody, then more than likely Baltimore knows why and Baltimore's going to do the exact same thing again. Do you trust Bill O'Brien to fix it? I don't. Let's go to Sunday Night Football. SNF, as some people say. Patriots, Seahawks. Now, this game is right with issues. Issues everywhere. Bill Belichick's mother passed away this week. That's one of the issues. He is going to coach, I believe, but will he be distracted? Will he not be? I know it's kind of a weird thing to talk about, but when you're talking about betting on teams, this is the shit you have to look at. New England opened, or Seattle opened minus three and a half. It's moved to four. Over under 44, moved to 45. What's the next problem? Next problem is the wildfires. So the wildfires in the Pacific Northwest and California have been compromising air quality uh, mixed up with the fatigue, mixed up with travel, mixed up with the coronavirus and training camp and preseason. What is the air quality going to do? Will it affect either of these teams? Will that make this a low-scoring game? Will these teams be struggling? That's a lot. That's a lot to talk about there and a lot of variables, a lot of stuff we don't know about. Now, something we do know about is that the only time I believe the Patriots are have been uh, dogs in prime time was when Jimmy Garoppolo was starting. And I think they covered that game. Then you got to talk about the Seahawks and how they good, how good they are at home in prime time. I want to say they're like twenty six and eleven or something like that in Russell Wilson's career. So you have all these variables hitting each other, and with an ugly line. I mean, who the hell is taking Seattle minus three and a half or Seattle minus four? I don't know anybody. I don't know anyone that would take this number. This is such an ugly number. Three or under, I'm taking Seattle. But anything over that, I mean, you got to be an absolute wild man, absolute sociopath to take minus three and a half or take four. I've never taken three and a half in my life. I don't know if I ever will. We also saw the Patriots in the week one. We saw the Patriots the time of possession, their slow game uh, plan, the, the 15 carries from, from Cam Newton. You know, is that an issue with Seattle? Whereas, is New England going to try and keep this thing ugly? Are they, are they going to try and have like seven to nothing? Are they going to try and have this be just like a six to nothing gross game? Or are New England, is New England going to just kill this game? Is New England just going to eliminate this whole thing and just keep it close and just try and win 13 to 10? Could be a thing. Now, on the flip side, what happens if Seattle comes out there and, and goes up 14 nothing, 17 nothing? What if Russell Wilson is letting it rip? What happens then? How does New England come back? We didn't see New England do that against Miami. We don't know what, what Cam Newton can do in the air. If, if Seattle's scoring... Now, how hard is it to score against New England's uh, passing defense? New England's got probably the best cornerback in the NFL. So is Seattle going to have trouble throwing the ball? I think this game has an under written on it. And I think if the game is under, harder to take Seattle. I'd stay away from the, from the line, but I would definitely look at the under. I would definitely look at the total. Then at 45, I don't hate the idea of this being an under game. Because I think the Seahawks could have trouble throwing on the Patriots. 
I think the Patriots are just going to run that same misdirection garbage they ran uh, in week one, and you're going to be seeing a lot of that. Now, if you're live betting this game and Seattle goes up like 17 nothing, I think the Patriots could be in real trouble because then the Patriots have to throw. Cam Newton has to try and sling it, and we just flat out don't know if he can do that. So I'd probably pass on the side. I'd take the total. Last game of the week. And we got my beloved New Orleans Saints versus the Las Vegas Raiders. So this game, let's see. Game opened five. It's moved to five and a half to six across the board. New Orleans, obviously the favorite. First game in the new digs in Las Vegas. Monday night football. This is a really weird game for me. Because Michael Thomas is not playing. But Michael Thomas was not existing in week one as well. Josh Jacobs had a really good game in week one. Uh, the Raiders have a pretty suspect defense. The Saints were awful offensively in week one. But they played a really good defense in, in the Bucks. The Saints probably should not have won the game by 11 or whatever they did. They probably should have won the game by like three or four. Uh, they got a couple turnovers. They got a couple... You know, blocked field goal. They had some stuff like that go right for them. I'm not so sure that the that the score from this Saints Buccaneers game was correct. I'm not so sure. Now, the Raiders didn't exactly put away Carolina in convincing fashion. A lot of points, six points for a road team like this. That means that if, if this game was in New Orleans, you're talking about this game being double digits. So I think the Saints, would I, would I take the Saints minus 10 at home against the Raiders? I don't think so. I don't think the Saints offense is good enough to be giving up 10 points of value to anybody right now. They were awful. They were flat out terrible. Their defense was good. Their defense is really good. Their defense ball hawks, defensive line is good. That could cause issue for the Raiders. I see this game being pretty low scoring. I see this game being the Saints come back to kind of... They, they shouldn't have scored 34 points. It was the ugliest 34 points I've ever seen a team score in NFL history. Bottom line. I've ever seen. So, I'm, I don't believe in the Saints' office right now. Drew Brees was terrible. Probably the worst game I've ever seen Drew Brees play. And now you take away Michael Thomas, which is probably the most important... Eh. I take that back. He's probably a top three... Most important non-quarterback in the NFL. I was going to say the most important, but then Christian McCaffrey exists. So probably a top three most important non-quarterback player in the NFL. He's gone. What does the offense do? How, how big does it change? The offense already wasn't good. You're going on the road. We know the Saints struggle early in the season. The Saints have been awful. The Saints have been terrible in the first two, game of the, two games of the year in Sean Payton and Drew Brees' career. They won the first game. So for the Saints to go 2-0, and that's a big difference. For the Saints to go 2-0 and is a big change from their usual starts. So I think this game is low scoring. I think the Saints defense carries them against the Raiders. And I think that the Saints kind of go on the road and have their normal road struggles. Now it being, you know, Monday Night Football, new digs, do the Raiders get a boost from that, playing their first game in Las Vegas? They're probably excited to play there. That, that could be a thing. No fans, feels bad, man, but... It is what it is. This game, I think this will be an ugly Monday night game. I'd be looking at, you know, Drew Brees unders. I'd be looking at the game under. 
uh, but I'll probably end up taking the Raiders. I, don't, I probably won't take them, but this probably will be one of my top five picks is the Raiders plus six. It's just too much. I mean, like I said, you're talking about a six-point swing from home and away like this. I just couldn't imagine the Saints being 10-point favorites at home against the Raiders. I, I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the move. Breeze has to heat up a little bit. No one was good. We're going to the chat now. Front seven from Tampa Bay was causing problems. I think you see a better-looking Saints offense against the Raiders. But what does that even mean? Like a better-looking Saints offense. Who is, who's doing better? Because now you take away Mike Thomas. That has to be a thing, right? That has to be a negative. So if Michael Thomas is not there, what does a better-looking offense even look like? Is it more Kamara? Is it more Emmanuel Sanders? Is it more Jared Cook? There, you can't you can't possibly say that the Saints are going to like they score thirty four points. It's hard for me to be like, oh yeah, they'll do better, they'll look better. You know, they'll do they'll they'll be leaps and bounds better when you take away their most important player. The O line won't be getting their ass whooped by Tampa Bay's D line, so all around better, more time for Breeze to throw, better run lanes. I think you might see more Camara. I think this could be a big game for Camara, but I don't see Breeze. Doing much. I think Bree starts slow anyways. I think he's generally a slow starter. And you take away Mike Thomas. I think this could be a big spot for Bree's to struggle. So on the road, Saints usually play pretty pretty meekly on the road. Uh, so I'm not super confident in this game as a Saints fan. I think we, we get the win. But it would not shock me at all if this game came down to a field goal late for either side. If, if if I fell asleep Monday, if I fell asleep, if I passed out and I woke up and you told me, oh, man, the, the Raiders won 23-20 to 20 on a last-second field goal, I'd be like, eh, I mean, okay. You know, like, that. that's about right. That that that's, I expect that to happen on the second game of the year. I think Saints plus 10 is easy money. You, you, you must mean Saints minus 10. Because if the Saints were plus 10, that, that's, that's insane. But the Saints minus 10, so you're saying the Saints win by 10 points. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, the Saints the Saints got all the breaks as far as, like, blocked field goals, turnovers. They won all those battles against Tampa Bay, and they won by 11 points. I, don't, I, I think we can both agree that the Saints did not to, to deserve to win that game by 11 points. So what does this line do? What is this line? And we know that was the most watched NFL game on Fox since the Super Bowl, or the only one that's the only one that beats since the Super Bowl. So all the public watched that game. They saw Tom Brady get his ass kicked by eleven. What happens if they win that game by four? What happens if they win that game by six? Is this line closer to four? Is this line closer to Saints minus three? I don't know. That's something you got to think about. I mean, I think uh, I think another thing. I, th- I don't think Gruden is a great coach by any means, but I think an experienced coach like Gruden is going to be prepared for Sean Payton. He he's better equipped to be prepared for a Sean Payton type guy. You know what I mean? So I think if I had to, I would take the Raiders here, and I would take the under. So let's take a look at let's take a look at what. Well, let's take a look at what my five picks would be if I have to give you five picks. For sure, one pick is the Vikings. For sure, one pick is the Vikings. 
So we got the Vikings. We've got... I'm going to throw the Raiders in there. The Raiders plus six. I'm going to throw the Jets in there. Jets plus seven. I'm going to throw the Jaguars in there. So we'll say the Jags. We'll say the Jags plus, plus eight and a half. So that's that right now. We got four. So Vikings, Jets, Raiders, Jags. I got to find a fifth team. I'm thinking about the Giants. So I want to go with the Giants here. I think I do. Looking. I'm going to go with the Giants. So the Giants are my fifth pick. So your five bets that I've, uh, that I'm, that my favorite bets, Minnesota is my play of the week. I will have a ticket on Minnesota. I'll tell you that right now. I will have a ticket on Minnesota. I will have a ticket on the, on the Packers Lions over. But my five side bets are, are, you know, line bets or whatever you want to say, game bets are Giants, Jaguars, Vikings, Jets, and Raiders. There you go. That is the move. That is what we're doing here. It's away. This has been what the hell's download now. Great Shadow Legends playing an ad in, in the middle of my show. But we're gonna be doing these live football podcasts every single week. So we're gonna be filming them live on Mondays, reacting to the games. Games. We're gonna be doing our power rankings. Those podcasts will go out on Tuesday. Then on Thursdays, we're going to be previewing the games, making our picks, kind of going over what to expect. Those podcasts will be released on Friday. You're looking at four hours of podcasts from me a week, pretty much. Because you're talking about at least two hours of the James Commander Show podcast, which releases on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. And you're looking at the football show, which is being filmed live in front of a Twitch audience. Chat was heavily involved today. Fantastic stuff. The chat will be involved. It'll be a live show. We'll be reading, taking questions, taking opinions, taking all that stuff. And then we're going to turn around, put this content on YouTube, turn around, put this content on the podcast. So four podcasts or four hours of podcasts per week, basically two hours from the James Commander show, two hours from uh, the football show. And then this stuff live on Twitch on uh, Mondays and, and Thursdays. So really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. I mean, you talk about light it up. You talk about no one else can do what we can do, to be honest. That, that, that's, that's, that's for sure. That is 100% correct. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah.